This morning we're reading from the book of Luke, in chapter 24, verses 13 to 35. If you don't have a Bible, there are a few down the little table at the back. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they walked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognising him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe in all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognised him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognised by them when he broke the bread. Who is Jesus? Um, it's really the age-old question, isn't it? Um, and everyone's been asking it since the beginning of time. And even today, it's built into our calendar, isn't it? Um, we have many public holidays, as Chris was mentioning earlier, and we, we get to rest on those days. There must be a reason why we are meeting here today, right? It's also the question that Cleopas and his companion are asking from what they've witnessed over the past few days. It's been three days since they heard and saw the crucifixion of Jesus. Before he died, he presented himself as a prophet sent from God, and he spoke of things that would happen in the future, things that he spoke with authority, and uh, he continued to show love and care towards everyone he met. 
these, these guys, being Jews, would have been fairly familiar with the scriptures. So they thought that he would be the Messiah that everyone is talking about, the one who might redeem Israel. They even heard this morning that some of the women mentioned that the tomb was empty, but they're not quite sure what to make of that. Actually, it's very confusing for them, trying to work out and trying to struggle with who Jesus is, doubting his, um, his title. Who is Jesus and how on earth could he redeem Israel at this time? Who is Jesus of Nazareth? You might even be asking that same question today. Why on earth do Christians celebrate this time at Easter, a time when someone died many years ago? Why on earth would someone decide to devote their whole life to following this person as well? Well, let me pray as we join along this road to Emmaus and we'll see what the Bible says together. Dear Father, thank you for your word, which is true, that you've given us uh, since a long time ago um, from the prophets and even the apostles today that we can read of and know more about who Jesus is. We thank you that today we can celebrate resurrection of Jesus Christ and that we can see even more clearly who he is here. By your spirit, may you reveal to us even more brightly uh, the significance of Christ's death and resurrection. Amen. Cleopas and his friends have seen and heard a lot over the past few days. They're still struggling to work out who Jesus is, though. They hoped he was the Messiah, the anointed one, who would save them and free them, but they feel like there's nothing to show to prove that. They're trying to piece all the evidence together, but they can't work him out. Let's read again in verse 19 and see exactly what they were discussing. What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said but they did not know, did not see Jesus. From here, they actually know quite a lot, don't they? Here is the evidence they have. I'll highlight it up behind me. What they believe, he was a prophet. Um, he was powerful in word and deed. Uh, before God and all people, he did good deeds, um, which proved that he was a prophet. He was crucified. Uh, by the Jewish priests and rulers, and they had the hope that he would redeem Israel. Now, although they doubted it, they also heard of the women's testimony, the empty tomb that had no body, and the angel said that Jesus was alive. They, they even had a secondary witness of that, also observing an empty tomb. 
In some ways, they have all the evidence to conclude who Jesus is. And the ironic thing is that Jesus is standing right in front of them, right? The problem, though, that is hindering them seeing Jesus fully is their preconceived understanding of what Jesus had come to do. The way they thought he was going to redeem Israel is different to how he actually did it. It's unimaginable for them to consider that God would have to pay a price for redemption to come. They couldn't understand how Jesus dying could redeem a nation, let alone the whole world. Here's an example that might help to illustrate what they were thinking. A hobby which I enjoy uh, is playing the clarinet in a wind orchestra during the week, and we rehearse on a Wednesday night, and there's lots of different music we play. In many of these pieces, the clarinets often get really tricky bits, um, lots of fast notes, and when playing, it can go quite quickly, um, and it's hard to keep up. These six sections of music can sometimes take a lot of work to get familiar with, and I need to do a lot to get my fingers moving correctly at the right time to play it with everyone else. It can typically key, typically be very easy for me to get caught up in all the awkward bits. And even when I get the right notes, I may interpret it incorrectly or play it in a different style with different emphasis. Sometimes I even question why I want to play what's written on my page. Why why is it my part? Because it's just too difficult to learn. And when I'm playing with everyone else, those are the sections that I'm focused on and I may have no idea what everyone else is playing. Given I've done enough practice, it can sometimes not even be to the concert that I get to hear the perfect uh, arrangement in the music that the composer wanted. So normally when I get those fast notes, it actually adds flair and excitement to some other part that's going on in the music. And unfortunately, I have to go through the pain of learning it for that to become apparent. In some ways, this is somewhat familiar, similar to what Cleopas and his friend were thinking. They were getting caught up on all these different details that they couldn't see the bigger picture. They were distracted in their own understanding and interpretation that they couldn't hear the full orchestration, which is why they were unbelieving and couldn't recognize Jesus right in front of them. They were hoping that he would be the one to save them, but still there was doubt in their minds. Now, I admit it's very easy for us to today possibly to see this passage and think we know better, right? But do we? What are some of the ways we might experience these same misconceptions? How might we build up the wrong picture of Jesus in our head that might lead to unbelief even? Maybe we think too much of Jesus, seeing him as our own personal bodyguard, someone who's going to protect us from evil and hurt. While he does comfort us, he hasn't said that we'll go without suffering, though. Otherwise, we might think too little of him, believing that nothing significant could come from someone who lived in history so long ago. It's kind of irrelevant. Unfortunately, our society today does emphasize the present more than the past. And I think it can be quite arrogant to disregard so much wisdom 
of those before us, particularly if we can learn good truths from them. It is worth asking the question, where do we get our understanding from Jesus from? Is it possible that your idea of who Jesus is could be wrong? If it's from mainly the media or the internet, mysticism, or even possibly what you've heard from your family and friends, can you trust it fully without bias? For someone who claims to be God, we need a solid and reliable source to be able to trust him fully. I think the Bible gives us that, and I will mention more about it later why that is the case. And I don't want to cause any unnecessary doubt but we should seriously consider if our current understanding of Jesus matches up with reality and what the Bible says, because it does get, make a big difference if we get it wrong. Now, after hearing all the discussion uh, that the two were talking about, Jesus then responds in verse 25. How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter glory? Now, the language here is probably a bit harsh. It's probably better interpreted as how clueless you are. After hearing all that they were talking about, they should have had enough to believe. But there's still something in their hearts and minds that's stopping them from fully trusting what the prophet said. It's kind of like those kids' shows where the main character might say, Where's the giraffe? And it's always very plainly obvious uh, where it is on the screen. But in this case, the two don't get it, expecting something completely different. The prophets were very clear about what was to happen. Let's have a look at what one of the prophets said, the suffering servant in Isaiah 53, 10 to 12. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and pro prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and will divide the spoils with the strong because he poured out his life unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. The two on the road would have access to this. It was a prophecy written about 600 years before them. It's quite plain here, the Messiah needed to suffer for the sake of sin. This is the way redemption could be made. They knew that there was something about, different about Jesus and that he was going to do something glorious by redeeming Israel, but the way that was going to happen was the issue for them. I'm not sure exactly what they would have pictured in their minds, but the words that they might have used to describe him were more like heroic, mighty, and triumphant rather than humble, suffering, and dead. Now, while the prophets would have used that more glamorous uh, imagery to describe who Jesus is in his victory, these two companions forgot the other side which enables him to be so triumphant. In order for glory to come, suffering must also happen. 
It needed to be done this way, not just to fulfill the prophets, but also for God to be just in redemption. It's impossible for God to decide he is going to forgive us and then just be done with it. For true forgiveness to be satisfied, suffering and punishment is still required. It's sort of like a wife who's being caught having an affair. They honestly regret their decision afterwards before the husband became aware of it and were trying to break it up. And the wife wants to fix the relationship and get back together with their first love. But there's still a problem. The husband can't allow that though. It wouldn't be just for him to just forget it and move on. There's serious damage being done to the relationship and it can't fully be restored. Because of adultery, the just thing to do would be to break the marriage and to leave the wife. The husband really has no obligation to continue in that relationship and there's nothing that can be done to fully fix it. Even if the husband does choose for them to stay together, there's still some hurt from what happened before. But this is where God is different. He fully deals with the problem. He forgives us by taking the debt himself, the debt that we owed. We're like the wife caught in adultery, unable to fix our relationship with God. But God forgives us by standing in our place, by taking the suffering of being deserted and alone in the divorce. But it is because Jesus has suffered in our place that God the Father is pleased to keep us in the family. We have been redeemed because he suffered. This was clear among the prophets. And even more today, uh, in reading the scripture, it proves even more that Jesus is the Messiah the prophets were talking about long ago. But who do we understand Jesus to be? Do we remember both sides of his story when we think of him as saviour? Do you see both his suffering and his glory? What would it mean if we forgot his suffering of death on the cross? At the root of it, I think we would have no idea what we've been saved from. God the creator has said that anyone who sins against him, the capital punishment is eternal death and that is warranted for them. But for those who believe, Jesus has said, he's saved you from that. He is the one who takes the punishment for us, and we come to understand this, we are justified as righteous instead of a guilty criminal. I think also at the risk, we are at risk of denying Christ's humanity while elevating his divinity too much. Jesus was both fully God and fully man, and he continues to be the case today. Jesus needs to be fully man to be able to fully suffer the sins of the world, but he also needs to be fully God to be able to fully overcome the sins of the world. Today we celebrate the glorious hope of Resurrection Sunday, but when we celebrate it, do we remember what happens through the suffering death of Good Friday as well? Well, we finally come to the end of our text where Jesus' identity is fully revealed and their eyes are opened. 
Jesus is invited to stay with them as it's getting quite late. And then we read the climax of the story in verse 30. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and began to give it up to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us when he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? It's now after the 11 kilometer journey and after Jesus explained all the scriptures to them and they've sat down to dinner that their hearts are able to accept Jesus as the risen Messiah. There are a few interesting things that are going on in these moments. First, while it may sound like a nice idea that Jesus is hosting a communion service here, it's probably unlikely as the disciples wouldn't have been at the Last Supper and they wouldn't have known the significance of that yet. But the breaking of bread before a Jewish meal is quite a common practice. It is interesting though that Jesus is the one leading the meal in these actions. Normally this would be done by the host rather than the guest. But it's obvious through this, perhaps something that said, Jesus said during the breaking of bread, the final piece of the puzzle was put in place and their hearts were ready to accept the truth. They were finally willing to put aside all their expectations and hopes of a saviour and trust in the way that God decided to redeem the world. They were now happy for God's plan to unfold rather than coming up with their own alternative fantasy novel. Another key part of this is the main way that they came to faith. It's by hearing and studying the scriptures. Their hearts were burning in them as they wrestled with what Jesus was explaining to them in the scriptures. They had much time to think about these things over the course of the evening, and they slowly came to be more humble, willing to reconsider their own thoughts initially. As a side note, I always find it amazing that Jesus and the apostles use the Old Testament law and prophets to explain who Jesus is. In some ways, we don't even need the New Testament to know who Jesus is, but I'm sure glad that God has given us the New Testament because it makes it so much clearer and of what the significance of Christ and what he's done. This is why Christians are so focused on the Bible and what it says. Throughout history, since the beginning of time, people have been talking about Jesus as the Messiah, whether that's looking forward to his earthly appearance or looking back on the cross like we do, reflecting on what he's already done. Essentially, if we want to summarize the whole story of the Bible, we could do it like this in seven words. God's plan to save humanity through Jesus. If we want to come to know the historical Jesus of Nazareth, we need to read the scriptures in the Bible and doing this in a humble manner, allowing our hearts to be open to its truth. It's also amazing that once they recognized him, Jesus miraculously disappeared. And I imagine that this gave them even more assurance of what they understood to believe. Their immediate response was to head straight back to Jerusalem during the night. And the ESV even gives more urgency to this, saying that they rose the very same hour. This is the response of understanding and hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. Where to then proclaim it to what we understand for everyone to know Jesus. 
If Jesus is truly the answer to life's brokenness and sin, then people need to know. Jesus has the keys to perfect eternal life after death. So let's introduce people to him. So to answer our question from the beginning, who is Jesus of Nazareth? The best way to answer this is by reading the Bible and what it says. The Bible says he's the risen Lord, the Messiah prophesied long ago, and he has redeemed people from all nations, nations and now fully made himself known. If this is your first time here today, or you've been coming for a while and not yet put your trust in Jesus, then can I encourage you to continue investigating more, wrestling with who he is. Read the Bible and listen to what he has to say. It's a collection of the best evidence we have for the death and resurrection of Jesus. It's something worth pursuing because if Jesus, what Jesus claims to be about himself is true, then it's the best news you will ever hear and it will completely change your life. In fact, we have a special course for you to continue looking into these things with the help of others. The next Christianity Explored course starts on the 21st and there's information cards on the back table or you can speak to me after the service. For those who, of us who already call ourselves Christians, continue to do the same. Continue to read the whole Bible. The message of the gospel still has so many more implications to be unpacked. We should never become satisfied and casual without the great truth of Jesus being the risen Lord. The hope he gives ongoingly gives us new ways to apply what we should do to live for him today. And never forget this, that the good news is for everyone to hear. 1 Corinthians 15 says this, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. This is the historical Jesus of Nazareth that we all need to meet and know. Come and to him humbly and read it for yourself in the scriptures and believe the good news. Let me pray. Dear Father, we thank you for what we can hear and read and study in your scriptures right here. Thank you for your gospel that you've made known to us that we can come to understand who you are really, the God of the universe, the one who created us. We pray as we continue thinking and uh, thinking about the implications of Jesus who lived 2,000 years ago um, and what he's done for us on the cross, allowing a way for sinners to be redeemed from their sin. We pray that we'd continue uh, finding joy and thankfulness in what he has done that our lives would um, reflect how he lived on earth, uh, that we would show love and care to all those people we meet and introduce people to the same Jesus that we know. And we long for the time when Christ will come back in person, fully in flesh again, and we see the risen Lord in his full glory as he perfects us on the last day. 
We pray this in your name. Amen.